Hello, beautiful people. My guest today is Andrew Barry, and Andrew is someone I wanted to speak to because we'd been following each other for a few months, and we actually both published our interviews with Ali Abdal on the same day. So I thought that was some sort of universal signal for us to have a conversation, and the universe did not disappoint. In the conversation, we spoke about building in public, we spoke about what Andrew's gained from Twitter, how to not get overwhelmed by all the information out there. Overall, great conversation, really enjoyed it. I also recorded an interview where Andrew interviewed me, so if you'd like to hear that one, you could go to Curious Lion and check out the reverse interview of this one. But if you enjoyed or didn't enjoy this conversation, let me know on Twitter your thoughts about it, at Hey Danny Miranda. I'm looking forward to hearing from you, and I appreciate you listening. But until then, let's get to the conversation with Andrew Barry. Interesting people, thought-provoking conversations, nutrition for your brain. Journey through the minds of the world's top performers and discover what it really takes to achieve your highest version. This is the Danny Miranda Podcast. Thank you, Andrew, for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time, and I'm so excited for the conversation today. Amazing, Danny. I'm so pumped to be here. Amazing. So let's start with South Africa and your journey, because, you know, we're going to get to online education and learning and all this stuff, but I want to get a real feel for who you are as a human being before we dive into all that stuff. So what you, you, you were born in, in South Africa, correct? Yeah. And so take us through your journey and your formative years and how that's played a role in your life. Yeah, totally. So uh, I was born in Cape Town, um, lived there for like the first 26, 27 years of my life. Um, and like, it's, it's a, a totally different world to, to hear. You know, I'm living in New York now, I've been here for, for 11 years and it's, yeah, it's a, it's a totally different place, but it's also not as different as you think, I think coming from America. Um, so it's, it's like, I think the, the best way to describe South Africa, it's got, there's something, there's this like a lot of people say like the African soil, there's something about the soil and about the people that, um, it's such a like you so feel so close to humanity there like it's wow. um there's a concept that's um in in South Africa called ubuntu which is that like i am i am only me because of you like you know that that there's this counterpoint um that uh, that that justifies or not or like um supports your existence um and so it's it's that really that philosophy comes through a lot in in uh in South Africa but there's also a lot of dark history to South Africa as well right um with apartheid and and um the, and and the, yeah, the 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 history of that we won't go into into all of that so it's it's this like real like crazy melting pot of of a country that's you know still to this day um has a lot of like divide um a lot of like the social injustice and racial uh, injustice we see here in America now is you know it's been it's a big part of the fabric of society there so growing up in South Africa, to answer your question, um, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, growing up there, I was, you know, fairly like, you know, for for the overall population, like fairly, fairly privileged um, in that we in growing up didn't really see 
all of that like that that's happening around there and so this is also speaks to some some part of south africa which is still quite divided um even though it's it's uh sort of the rainbow nation now but yeah it's so it, yeah it was this very um comfortable upbringing it's a beautiful country very outdoors like the weather's pretty much always good all year round and so it was a it was a fun time like just um you know really uh joyful you know kind of kind of experience growing up there um and uh and so yeah you i I don't want to paint this like i don't want to go too far in each direction it's not utopia but it's also not like perfect you know what i mean so i think it was this interesting balance um of of both, but also the, 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 that human to human connection thing is something that's definitely resonated for me. And I think kind of is something that I've taken into the rest of my life. Like I, I just, I love meeting new people. Um, I, I'm sort of actually like an introvert inside, but I can be very, I can, I start quite introverted, I think, or sorry, extroverted with people. And I think a lot of that comes from just, I like getting to know people, I like meeting new people and, and like finding out about them. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of my, my childhood growing up in South Africa. Um, and, and I sort of like maybe close this end of the, this chapter was why I'm here was that growing up in South Africa, you're very much in the tip of Africa, which feels like the tip of the world, um, where mm-hmm. like a lot of the, the, cent- the center of the world, a lot of like the world feels like it's spinning around the US, the UK, like, you know, pl- bigger cities like that, Europe, in Europe as well. And so I was always drawn to that. I traveled a lot as a as a kid um, and, and as a teenager and, and, and into my 20s. It's quite hard to do from South Africa. It's a long flight to get anywhere. Um, so it was something you, you try to do once a year. And um, so I always had that sort of like draw to other parts of the world, to, to meeting other people in different parts of the world. And so I had got this opportunity through the company I was working at to come to the States for two years. That was kind of the initial thing. And I just loved it here. I loved the pace of New York. I loved like the energy of it and just meeting like people from all over, including other South Africans that I only had met in, in New York. Um, and so, yeah, I just never left. And here I am 11 yeah. years later. Well, it's so funny because if you look at that, that part of yourself that is always wanting to meet new people in new places, you're basically doing that today via the internet. And it's really cool how, how that happens. So Let's dive into that. How did you get into meeting people online and the normalization of that? And I know we're fast forwarding a few years here, but yeah, talk a little bit about that. So it's such a great. I know this is something near and dear to 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 your heart and like and where you are now in your journey. Like, it's just blown me away, and it's kind of like only happened recently, which is the crazy thing. Like I. I started, I say like I only started taking Twitter seriously at the beginning of 2020, like maybe mm-hmm. like end of 19, beginning 2020. And then, and still back then, if you remember, like it was quite weird to like jump on a call with a total stranger, right? Like no one really did that. It certainly wasn't like often on video, like maybe, you know, so that wasn't the norm. And then obviously the pandemic hit and all that sort of stuff. And that very quickly normalized this to, like, to your point, I think. And so I, so I started like, I was uh, I was always a lurker uh, on Twitter and like you know passively observing like taking it in reading a lot of other people's stuff and just like just absorbing and uh, consuming and um, I and I have also been a huge fan of online courses have been and I take those as students and um, it was only in the summer of last year like July of of last year that I started to really get active in the communities um, it was through a rite of passage um, David Perel's course where that really started taking off for me and then. 
I don't know. There was some like I, there was some of that resistance at the beginning of like I don't know maybe because it was weird and felt awkward at the beginning, um, but once I just embraced it, it was like no turning back, you know. And it was I got so much conversational energy. I I know you you and Brandon Chang are, are good friends and like uh, you know talk talk to him in the very early days of his podcast and like this idea of conversational energy. He was in Rite of Passage. And it's just like, it's so true. Like you get so much energy from talking to people. And and now like I adopt this mindset of just default to yes, right? Like just mm-hmm. take the call, jump on it, see what happens. And I don't, I can probably count in, in less, than, less than fingers in one hand, like how many times I've been disappointed in doing that. And, you know, I must've had like 50 to hundred calls with people now. Like it, it's crazy. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the best ideas or the most exciting conversations that have come from just hopping on calls with people? Oh man. Um, I think for me, like the biggest thing, and this goes back to what I was saying, like I love meeting new people and learning from them. And I've been very fortunate to just meet a bunch of people who are passionate about teaching. And that's to me is like the most, my favorite thing. And, And the podcast that I, that I've just recently started is, is to do just that is like, how did you learn that? just learning from people to like figure out how they acquired skills or knowledge in a certain domain. And it's like, and, and uh, you know, like I know you, you get so much from these interviews, like you were saying before we started recording, it's just, so it's, I could, I can't even pick one. Like there's so many yeah. where it's like learning. It's just, I just learn, I just learn like constantly and that's addictive. Yeah. What are some of the things that is, are on your mind recently about what you've learned? Because, you know, we've, we've dived into so many different areas and what's yeah. on your mind recently about what you've learned? Um, I think one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is that, um, and, and this is actually the benefit of meeting so many different people is that you realize like no one has it totally figured out. Yes. Right. And like, and you, you, if you've interviewed some, some like amazing people on, on your show um, and I'm sure you've seen this where it's like, there is no one's like, everyone will admit that they don't have it figured out. Right. And that, that's like incredibly liberating. Once you realize that it's like, Oh, okay, shit, I can, I can do anything. Like I don't have to, cause you, you see, so feel like you have this, I need to have that to be able to then do that. I need to like be able to prove something, but mm. it's actually not like that. You can just literally go on a journey of discovery and figure it out as you go and build it in public. And like, other, and that's another actually very cool topic and thing that I've been thinking a lot about. It's like, you can share that journey with others and that actually helps you. It accelerates your journey as opposed to like what I think the default thing is that that holds you back, shows that you don't know what you're doing or whatever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And building in public is something that I think is so important in 2021 to let people know and bring people along for the journey that is. So how have you utilized that so far? Wow, man, uh, it, that has that has worked for me in such an amazing way over the last so I said like July was when I really started like going all in on this. And in about October of last year, I started uh, just, I started writing a lot about teaching. And I, you know, so I've been, I've been like doing this in a sort of more B2B like enterprise thing for about 10, 15 years. So there's a lot of like accumulated experience there, which I, in talking to people in the online course world, I started realizing like, okay, this is actually, this is resonating with them. It's like helping them clarify a lot of like the issues and challenges they had. So I just, I started writing about it. I started, I, I like get into like academic papers on, on, on stuff, like and reading like these like PDFs, like on, you know, like different studies, like around adult learning. And it's, 
And that's now finally starting to pay off and that I can share some of those things with people. And, and so, yeah, building in that in public and just sharing that um, was, here's another actually default thing. It's like you people, a lot of people, I used to think that if you share your best ideas, someone's going to steal them. And like, you know, then you, you've lost your opportunity. And that's actually also the opposite of what actually happens is that it's like people actually like, oh, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. They help you build on your ideas. And then also when it's time to to implement it, they still need your help. Like it's not you, that thing because you've written that you've written down isn't valuable without you. And, and, and that's another powerful thing to realize. Now you have this amazing ability to, to get scale and distribution and, and reach a lot of people to just show them how much you can help them. Like it's amazing. Like what a world we're living in. It's crazy because if you give that information out, if you give your best information out and then someone uses it, they then become your biggest fan because they're telling everyone, hey, Andrew Barry told me to do this with my online course. It went amazing. You should check him out too. And then it's a never ending cycle of people referring to you in word of mouth. And you only do that by putting yourself out there and sharing what you know. And it's intimidating at first to, yeah. to be like, oh, I have to put out this information. So was yeah. it difficult for you to make that jump? 100%, man, 100%. And um, and I think that's, and again, it's another default view that you like, it's an imposter syndrome thing, right? Like I, who am I to have an opinion on this thing that other people have probably thought about way more than me, right? But you don't know that until you put it out there and, and you start to like socialize the ideas with people. Um, yeah, so that definitely held me back. And and then, but then, and so, and I think another part of this is, is like getting really focused on a niche that you can help with instead of mm. trying to like, just be very super broad with things. Um, and because it's exact, I love what you say. Like it's that you find those fans, and if you can connect with like you just literally on, on like one hand, that's all you need, right? Four or five people that like that are like, yeah, like that. This dude knows what he's talking about, and then you, you're riffing on ideas. You have like regular calls with those people, um, and suddenly you've got your idea validated, and you've got this like little community of people that can help you know connect you with other people, and it's just that that like when that sort of starts organically happen, it's like mind-blowing. Yeah. So you mentioned online courses before, and that's obviously your area of specialty and knowledge. And I got to be honest, when I first came across your stuff, I was like, online courses, that's so scammy. That's like, you know, and so that is the, the natural reaction and default because so many online courses are so bad and have been so bad for so long. And so talk about like the problem with a normal online course and and what you see is like when you look at a course and you say to yourself what is going on here talk about that that those the problems so glad you brought that up um it's so online courses started like right at the beginning well first of all when you know internet exploded and and like in the early days right it was MOOCs so it was these huge like and suddenly people realized like what is a MOOC for people who don't know yeah, yeah. So MOOC is a massive open online course. Yeah, okay. MOOC. And so MOOCs are, and so it was basically like universities and, and colleges realizing like, all right, it's not just how many people can fit in a lecture hall, it's the entire internet. So now you could have like a thousand to ten thousand people learning at the same time. Mm-hmm. But the 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 initial approach was just let's take what we're doing in the classroom and put it online. So it was very like broadcasty lectury, right? So so what they found with MOOCs is that 
the completion rates were like five, ten percent. Like it was very, very low. So, um, so then people started to uh, well, so and that was more like institutions putting that on, and then you started to get like creators and and well, uh, and this is this is going to answer your question more directly. You started getting a lot of marketers yes. who started to realize that this could be a way to make money, basically. Uh, so we're going to package information as a product and we're going to sell it online. And again, they didn't put much thought into actually delivering a transformation for the person that's going through it, right? So so their, their focus wasn't on the product. Then their focus was on what they were good at, which is marketing. So then you get these things like click funnels and tripwires and upgrades and bonuses and webinars starting in 16 minutes. And it's like, you know, like <laughs> by every hour, like it's ridiculous. So all of this sort of scammy stuff that you're alluding to, like, that's that became that was what a lot of people still associate as an online course right mm -hmm. and that's still i mean i'm on clubhouse now a lot talking about the type of courses we want to build and there are a lot of rooms that are talking about these other ones and it's like all right like i see you across the aisle like you know it's like a very very clearly different in like how we how we approaching this um so yeah so the, i think those are the problems that's why it gets a bad name does that bother you that there's so many people who are also doing online courses that can give you a bad name in the sense of, oh, that person's an online course. And every time someone goes through a bad online course, they're like, online courses are scammy. And you are inherently associated with that because like, yeah. that's, that's what you do, but you do it well. So does it bother you that, that, uh, that people are using online courses the wrong way and doing them the wrong way? I would say it did used to bother me and that yeah. and there and that that stigma is there but you know what it's actually done now is it's given this counterpoint to what we do so it's like right. now we can actually say this that we're the opposite of that it's like that thing that you know so it's just in, in a way it's been able to like associate for people um that you know and, and so i'm seeing this like manifest in you know saying we're hosting these clubhouses and stuff and so we get yeah, you know, people joining the rooms and, and I, I sort of give a little bit of a background. I, I talk about transformational online courses, so TOCs instead of MOOCs. Um, <laughs> and so I talk about like TOCs and, um, and, and you know, what the philosophy behind that is. And, and like I get so many people who are, uh, multiple times have heard them say, this feels like such serendipity. I stumbled into this clubhouse room and like I found my tribe. Wow. Like, it's yeah, like, you know, like, it's such a, I know you've heard that, like, uh, you've started to, to to hear that as well. And it's such a great feeling to be like, yes, people are resonating with what, what I'm saying, what I'm, what I'm like, what I believe in. Um, and they, and what that is, is like, they're passionate teachers, they actually care about creating student transformations. And yeah, you can make a lot of money doing this as well, which is great, because it makes it, you can have a sustainable business doing it and like, keep doing it. Um yeah, but first and foremost, it's teachers. So talk a, a little bit about some of the teachers you've worked with and what specifically you've implemented so that their courses aren't like the first type of courses we first mentioned. Yeah. So um, so, so one of the first ones, which was more, so I, I, I was, uh, I was selected to be a, an alumni mentor for Rite of Passage 5, which was like, my first experience in sort of the program team of an online course, which was, which was an amazing experience. And David Perel and Will Mannon, to their credit, and I know Will, Will's been on, on the show already, and I think David's, um, uh, you, you've had a, an episode working on with him. Um, you know, they, they've been incredible at pushing the boundaries and sort of pioneering a lot of stuff that 
will also say, and they will admit, um, a lot comes from what Seth Godin did with the LTMBA is like mm-hmm. one of the original pioneers of, of of like where this this new this new approach. Um, but yeah, so in cohort five, they decided to to have mentors, which allowed them to scale their impact um, to to more people. And so that was one of the one of the first most interesting things observations I made was so what was cool about this is we were David was very open about like this is guys like we're figuring this out as we go along like we <laughs> as mentors we met once a week and we you know game plan the week ahead we debrief the week and like it was so collaborative and he was he's got an incredible ability to just like absorb everything and then like come up with this really amazing summary of it at the end. <laughs> And like, and so those meetings were incredible. We just accelerated our learning and sort of built this program on the fly. And I, we went to, I went away with my family uh, in the Poconos that summer, right after Rite of Passage. And I was on a, I was on a run in the morning, and I was listening to a podcast with BJ Fogg, who's a, a you know professor and like big on like motivation. Um, and he was talking about. And this this is amazing because I've I've I like Googled it afterwards and he hasn't written much about this, but he talked about this concept of a destination and a journey. And I was just like, holy shit, that's what <laughs> those mentors were. Like that was it. Wow. And I was and you know, David is the destination, right? Like everyone wants to write like him and have that ability to you know, and grow an audience like him and all that. But and he can tell you the steps to get there. But like for most people, you're somewhere along on that journey. And so it's actually very, it's quite intimidating to learn from David who's like done it all already, right? So you need yep. someone, you need people that are like on that same step as you to like just to figure out how to get to the next step, never mind step 12, right? And so that was such a clear way um, of, for me of looking at a destination and journeys. And so I started writing about that and then that resonated. And then I know someone that we we both ended up recording on our shows was, was Ali Abdal, um, who reached out to me like I, he, someone, you know, he announced his course, his first cohort, someone tweeted about it and, and was like, who else is going? And I just, I responded. I was like, I'm definitely, you know, I'm probably going to sign up. And he pinged me like right after that. Like he was like, Andrew, I've been following your stuff. Like first wow. of all, I was like, wow. What? <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, I would love to, I, you know, it's my first time doing this. I'd love to, you know, learn like how to make it the best. And so we jumped on a call we chatted and he was like taking furious notes. Like I'm sure, I don't know if you had like, he, he's another sponge who's just like always with yeah. ideas and just like absorbing what, what people are saying. And so, yeah, we, we spoke for like an hour and then at the end, he's like, do you want to run my mental program? <laughs> and, and I was like, hell yes, you know, that sounds amazing. And so I, so I signed on with him to do that. And then one of the things, so he then gave me the idea to, he sort of added a level to it, which, so he didn't want to call them mentors because it was his first cohort. So he didn't have like, you know, one of the benefits of, of what we did with David is all of us had done Karate Passage before. So we were like, we were literally alumni mentor. So, you know, he didn't have that benefit in cohort one. So he's like, I'm going to call them peer supporters and I'm going to get, mm. you know, people that I'm friendly with that have YouTube channels, but they don't have, you know, 1.4 million subscribers yet they know, but they, they know they're doing this. They're like, and, and so, so we created this peer supporter thing, which is another form of journey group, but it's just, it's people that are just one step ahead of where you are as a student. And it was a roaring success. Like one of the best parts of his course, um, every single one of those people knocked it out the park. Um, the students that, that were in their sessions got so much value out of it. And I, uh, sorry, I'm talking a lot here, but I, I don't know. <laughs> it's perfect, you- man. There's some, like such a cool example of how how valuable this was to him was um, he did a session 
in like, I think it was week two and he did a session on gear and like he did this whole thing on like all the different gear he uses and like different options available to you and stuff. And it freaked people out. Like everyone was like, holy shit, I need to get like all this fancy stuff and then all these questions and like, it was, and so, and so now this like student body is like, it's sort of up in arms or like, you know, feeling like very anxious about the whole thing. Mm. Now, normally what would happen is you'd only find that out, like maybe if, so first of all, maybe it's like feedback forms at the end, which is way too late. Right. Or, you know, maybe it's like in the next live session, which is two days later. But he had, because he had this mental model, he had uh, one of his mentors, Bhav Sharma, she did a, a session just a couple hours after his live session. And in that, they got instant feedback from these this anxiety you know, that, that people were feeling, mm. fed it back to Ali, and he put together a, a video with his team. And that same night, sent out a video to everyone, like, clarifying like gave basically gave them a spectrum of like if you're a beginner think about this if you're advanced think about this and it just like settled the whole thing for everyone right so you have this like super tight feedback loop it's incredible and i want to go back to the becoming a mentor with david's rite of passage real quick and what were a, a typical session like because that is it seemed like such an important part of your development as a teacher and helping others at least for online courses so what, what what were those mentorship groups like and mentorship sessions like? Yeah, so um, what's super cool is like everyone, all seven of us had a very different approach. Um, and, and we would like, you know, like I said, every Friday we'd meet and we'd learn from each other and, and update it and stuff. So we tried a lot of different things. Like some, um, some I, I tried like one of the sessions putting a slide deck together and kind of t- taking people through some ideas and then opening it up for for, for discussion. Um, others found some success with that. I didn't. I felt like it 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 didn't connect me with with the people in the room. And so I gravitated towards literally just having a a room of you know. So rite of passage is like three hundred people. That's the destination group. And then you'd get like typically twenty five to thirty five people that would come to each of the mentors. So it was a smaller, mm. tighter knit group. Uh, and and so it was the best way I can describe it is just creating a space to be vulnerable. To mm. share, like, what are you struggling with in implementing what David's teaching, in 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 just getting started with your writing? And so we would talk about imposter syndrome. We'd talk about like, you know, having like idea capture, like how to you know how to optimize that, like how to just deal with like not being able to write, like writer's block, basically, like all these all, all these things. And it was I barely did any of the talking. All I had to do was facilitate the conversation get people to start talking. And then it was just this like free for all where everyone had, you know, there, some people would like, yeah, I had that same issue. And then others had helpful advice. And like, it was just this, yeah. So it was this vulnerable space to, to sort of say like, look, this is, this is what I'm struggling with right now so that you could take Mm -hmm. the next step and then get more out of David's, you know, overall sessions every night. Yeah. I love the idea that that person as a mentor or peer supporter is just one step ahead. And I think that's so valuable because like you said, it can be so intimidating when you look at someone so, so many steps ahead. Um, So one of the questions I had to you about online courses in general was, do you think that it can be a problem? Like, how do you, you love learning. I love learning, but the problem is there's so much amazing stuff to learn online and we could easily just find ourselves have our hand in one jar and then another. How do you think about that idea of like not getting distracted by so many things because there's so many amazing things to learn? Yeah. 
Um, oh, that's such a good question and, and something I've definitely struggled with at the beginning, uh, especially from a, like, even not just online courses, right? Anybody who's listening, like who just can't stop cons- like reading all the amazing articles that are out there, listening to all the amazing podcasts that are, that are out there. Like, um, how do you, how do you filter that? So, you know, actually, um, a lot of the, uh, David in, in Rite of Passage and also Robbie Crabtree through uh, his performative speaking course have actually Ali as well in 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 um, part-time YouTubers have these sort of exercises of reflection to uh, and, and for an online course it's super important to have students reflect on why they're doing the course um, but these guys weave that into their course and actually so it's like so in David's one you're coming up with your 12 favorite problems that you like to to think about and work on, right? And then you you write an essay on that or you, or you you pick like your most frequently asked question that you get and you write an essay on that. And Robbie has a core values um, exercise, which you then create a video a presentation, like a, a speech on. Um, but those what those do is they, call, they, they force you to, to look inward and reflect and to come up with like why you're doing the thing you're doing, mm-hmm. speaking or YouTubing or whatever. Um, and I think that's a really good way to approach like all the the information that's out there, like to to kind of set up filters for it uh, by making sure it aligns with what you're most interested in, the problems you want to solve, you know, that that kind of thing. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And what type of advice would you give for someone who's just starting, let's say, rite of passage? Because I'm asking selfishly. I'm starting that in a few days. I'm really excited. But what advice? Yeah, what advice do you have for for someone like that who's just starting? Let's say write a passage. Yeah. So uh, do do the homework. That like first and foremost. Like do do the exercises. Do the homework. Um, Ali actually says this in his program because he had uh, he has like this he has just so much content he can't help himself so he puts it all out there and people <laughs> he's a machine feel, yeah totally right um and he teaches you how to do that as well and um and it's and so people actually started the students started feeling overwhelmed they're like i can't attend all these sessions am i going to miss out blah 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 and, and he was just like go just do the four videos like if if you do nothing else do the four videos we tell you to do post them in the channel get feedback like really actively work on the craft do the thing that right, right. that's most important so like if you can't attend all the lectures that's fine like i would even you know that i'd even go so far as to say like just do the f- focus on doing those things first and then add on the the, co- the lectures you can attend or like watch the, the replays or whatever whatever um so that's definitely the first part the other one is get involved in the community uh people people learn we learn best from each other right it's like it's primal it's like t- it's tribal like um so if you don't throw yourself fully into the community, you're not going to get everything you can out of it. And I know this from experience because when I did mm. write a passage three, I think it was, I didn't get involved in the community and I didn't get as much out of the, the program. Like I, you know, I, I did probably most, and actually I didn't, I didn't even complete the assignments because I didn't have that accountability and, and all mm. of that. Right. And so, you know, my, and my writing was like, okay, after that, but I, once I, once I became a mentor for, cohort five i went all in and obviously by nature of the role as well but like yeah i mean i i did all the assignments i gave people feedback i was getting feedback my writing just exponentially improved after that so i think those are the two big ones like do the work uh and post it into the community and like and give other people feedback because you actually accelerate your own learning by giving feedback and then obviously getting feedback as well 
You mentioned accountability. How do you bake that into the online courses that you create? Yeah. So I was actually in, we piloted this in, in Rite of Passage, which was, I I was sort of nervous about it as well at the beginning. So I, you know, these core, like 20 or 30 people that would come to my mentor session. And I think for the second week, I said to them, okay, we're going to, I want you know, suggest everyone finds an accountability buddy. So pair up mm. with someone else in the course. And so now, and they've had, and I always tell course creators do this like in the second or you know week onwards, but so they've had an opportunity to start to meet people. The key to success in this is that it's, uh, first of all, it's opt-in, but it's also you pick, you, you organically form the group. You don't pair people, right? Um, so, so you find people you you resonate with, and and you and you you get together with them. And I and then I sort of gave like a very like loose thing. I was like, you know, I'd recommend maybe meeting at the beginning of the week, sort of set your intention for the week, and then and then you know check in with each other at the end. And I was sort of nervous, like, oh, do people want to do this? And maybe just because of my own like re- resistance to it when I first did this, I was like, that seems like such a big commitment. But everyone everyone got an accountability buddy. Wow. Uh, most, most people were like, can I do more than one? Like, can I, you know, so I was like, <laughs> yeah, as many as you want, like, this is, that's amazing. Um, and to this day, there are still people from that rite of passage five who started a group. Then there's one that that's, I know of it's been, so it's seven months later that are still meeting every morning. Wow. Every single morning. Yeah. They meet and, and go through their, their writing accountability together. That's incredible. How do you personally use accountability in your own life? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think I think it's like surrounding yourself with people who are pushing the the envelope, who are really pushing themselves. You know, like mm. I I haven't always had that, and and I think because of that, I was probably a slow starter. Like as I go back to South Africa, like I I used to I used to dick around quite a bit, like when <laughs> I was younger. Um, Me I too. Grew like, <laughs> yeah, I like I grew dreadlocks for two years. I was like very dangerously close to like going on a totally different path at one point. Um, but, um, you know, but I enjoyed it, enjoyed myself a hell of a lot there. And, and, um, but I think the thing I was missing was like people around me who were pushing themselves and like, uh, ambitious and like getting, um, yeah, just like, just constantly like wanting to improve themselves. Um, and so now when I look at the last six months, I mean, the last, yeah, like the last three, four years, but especially the last six months, like it's, it's being around people like, like I mentioned Robbie earlier, like he's a good friend of mine now. And like that dude has spurred me on to do so many things, including joining on deck. Like he, Mm. because of that, he's just got this like incredible motor and, and just drives himself forward all the time. And that's, it's sort of contagious, um, you know, like, and I think, I think this is cool idea. A lot of people do tweet about that, like surround your, surround yourself by you're sort of the average of the five creators and people that you spend the most time with or, or whose content you, you consume the most. Right. Um, and so I think that's super important. You mentioned before just that you were dangerously close to going down the wrong path in life. I'm curious what happened to make that not happen. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, some of it was, was a bit of latent ambition that like, I wanted to do something, um, more with my life. Like I was, it was in, in Cape town. I was, I was actually like studying to be an accountant. So I became a qualified chartered accountant and I actually started working with dreadlocks as a, as a, a chartered accountant, which was, which was probably the only person in South Africa at that time doing that. Not, I mean, not that that's something to be proud of, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it, and um, I think at that point I'd already sort of decided, but it was, it was, it was also at that point where I started um, 
getting into the world of teaching. And so like mm-hmm. in, in the, in the accounting world, like many um, professional education background, like you, the, the training programs are a very big part of it. So you, you spend big chunks of the year, like going through training. And so, and I always just loved it. I looked at the people doing that. And I was like, I want that job. Like, how do I do wow. what you're doing? That's amazing. And then, and then I started doing that. And that's when I, um, I started getting serious. Like I actually, I want to be up in front of the room, teaching people and helping them, you know, kickstart their careers. Um, and it was that point that I, I, so I'd got a, um, a placement in Johannesburg, which is like the, financial capital of South Africa. So, so I moved from Cape Town uh, where there are a lot more dreadlocks to Johannesburg <laughs> where there are a lot less dreadlocks. And, uh, and I was actually there and, and I decided to cut them off and like, and sort of like embrace this world of sort of corporate training, I guess. Um, and so, so it's, yeah, partly like ambition. I wanted to be really good at that um, and sort of an identity thing. Like I wanted to, to help people and teach them, um, like I said, like in their careers. And I think part of that was also to, to be a, you have to sort of be a role model um, to them as well. And I think that, that got me to like, all right, like I should probably get rid of these dreads. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really interesting because going back to the accountability, when you are a teacher, you are accountable to your students inherently. And so yeah. it, it's almost like, well, I have to show up. I have to perform. And you, you noticed that when you were doing rite of passage as a mentor, yeah. You then were more accountable, more involved in the community in part because you knew if you expected the students to do it, you also had to do it. So yeah. it's really interesting how that works out. It is. And and teaching is one of the best accelerant accelerators for learning. Like yes. it's right. Like it's it's amazing. Like if you really want to learn something, teach it. It's mm. you really have you forced to think about the first principles of it and to really like get into to that level of detail and and then be able to explain something like I, I interviewed an amazing guest um, uh, recently who'd said like the um, I'm going to butcher the the way she said this, but it was basically that like the, the sort of hallmark of, of like, she didn't say genius, but like basically like the, a, a smart person able to simplify complex ideas. Mm. Um, and it's so, so true. Like that's teaching, right? That's the, the act of teaching. And yeah, I love that. I like the accountability is such a big part of it as well. So one of the ways you're currently teaching is on YouTube where you're recording videos of yourself and it might not seem like teaching, but it is teaching. You're, you're presenting the ideas in a way that the audience can better understand it. So you're teaching them a new concept. What have you learned from YouTube and starting to publish regularly on the, a new platform? Yeah, uh, man. Um, it's so cool that you, you, you saw that I've, I've just started doing it and First of all, realizing that being consistent and, and putting and publishing every time. And also it's sort of, there's a lot of parts of this, but like just shipping, it's 85%, 90% ready. Like you're never going to get, we waited quite a bit before. And I'm kind of, I'm lucky because you know, I have a, a, a company that does training production. So I have I basically have like an, a producer and an editor who can help me with it, which is amazing. And they are making me look a lot better than, than I am. <laughs> Um, and so, but so it's, you have to, this is basically the, the essence of Ali's course as well. It's like, you have to just keep doing it and like be okay with the, the, the product so that you can then get the feedback. Chris Sparks talks about this a lot, like that tight feedback loop, then make the change, uh, update, do another one, do another one, do another one. And like Ali says, like you, the way to make an amazing YouTube channel is to do 50 shitty videos, like get, get it out of your system, you know, like, um, and then, and then improve, just keep improving. Um, so yeah, uh, that's a big one I've learned. Um, 
the other cool thing I think about video is that it has a potential. I haven't cracked this yet, but like Ali and like a lot of these, a lot of these um, great, really good creators are doing it. It has the potential to capture emotion, which, mm-hmm. um, which is, I think the one it's the, the power of that medium. Um, and if you capture emotion, you can capture attention. Mm-hmm. And then if you, if you've got attention, you've now got a very small window of opportunity to then maintain or like hold that attention. And that's where, um, that's where actually I think Ali does particularly well because he his are very educational. So like once you so if you get attention and then you you teaching someone something, you can then hold that attention, and then because then and you make it practical and they can apply things and stuff. So um, yeah, so for for my company Curious Line, we've been doing a lot of we were especially um, up until recently doing a lot of video based stuff, and that that's the essence of that. Like capture the attention and then hold the attention. What is your favorite medium? You've played around with podcasts, YouTube, and writing. It's like basically the holy trinity in the online content <laughs> creation world. What is your favorite of all those three? Um, that's a great question. I I love recording podcasts like this. I, I, it's amazing. So there's that conversational energy piece. Um, uh, video is a lot of work. So it's a mm. shitload of work, and like, and uh, I'm still not. I still need to refine the process so that I can literally just press play like you know record and go um uh, so that one I'm, I'm still heading friction on um but i think it's probably all going to come down to to writing and that mm-hmm. it's the it's the number one way that i've been i've clarified the way i think about mm. a lot of these things like it's yeah i mean yeah i know you you i think you talk a lot, like a lot about journaling and like and, and writing down thoughts and ideas and that's so writing for yourself is super important um to to help clarify thoughts and then um yeah and then publishing it and 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 putting it on the world and getting feedback and and you and now it's like i feel like i'm i'm like channeling what david says a lot because this is basically what he teaches is that you you then create serendipity through that mm-hmm. you just and i'm i'm now seeing the benefits of that when like ali abdal reaches out to me it's because right. yeah like he i didn't know he knew me but he was clearly reading some of the stuff that i've been writing so what are some of the ways you've changed your mind or clarified your thinking recently let's say in the past three months or six months yeah so i think a big one um a big one is that you if you want to go fast go alone and if you want to go far go with someone or go with mm. people and that, i'm sort of paraphrasing uh, i think so it's I've looked this, it's like a, it's supposed to be an African proverb. No one really knows where that comes from, but that's the essence of it. And it's something that I, like, I really enjoyed. Um, I still, you know, do the, the solopreneur, like business owner, like having complete control over my own time. And I've had that for the last five years. And it's been, it's been amazing, especially after 10 years working, you know, for companies. And so I was quite reluctant to give that up when I joined on deck at the, at the beginning of this year. But I've seen, and I, that funny enough, that quote, like, isn't it weird how this happens? Like that quote popped up like two or three times in that sort of mm. week that I was like thinking about this and stuff. And it's like, you know, there's so, so much truth in, in that statement. Um, and I've now seen that in like, so, like night and day that I've launched an online course that's now oversubscribed in a month, which I never would have been able to do on my own, you know? So, yeah, I think that's been a big shift for me, like, literally like as the the year turned into 2021 it's incredible i love to hear it we talked about podcasting and i want to circle back to it what what makes it 
such a great medium for you. I know you talked about the conversational energy, but going deeper than that, what is, what is it about podcasting that you love so much? So it's this amazing way to like get to know strangers deeply and intimately. Right. Yeah. It's, it is amazing. Like there's, it's, it feels like this like cheat code, this like, this like cool thing that you get to do, like anybody can do, right. It's just invite someone on this thing. And then you talk like we're doing now. It's like, it's amazing. Um, and so I've, I've used that for like, I, I interviewed someone who um, Max Nussenbaum who works at, at on deck. And it was basically like, cause we hadn't had a chance in, in the month I've been there to connect yet and learn more about him. He's a colleague, you know, he's like, he's a colleague of mine. So I'm going to be working with him a lot. And it was this, so we're like, let's get a podcast, like let's record a podcast. And that made a, to- a total bunch of sense because we can record it, we can share it with others. Um, and we spent an hour like getting to know each other and talking about our, our like our stories. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, I think that's a huge thing, like getting to know people like that. And, and I've now, and I've done 15, I think you're at like in the sixties or seventies now, like you just, that that's um that's an incredible scale and in like of people sort of networking is a, a terrible word for this but like it yep. you've just now got this very rich network of friends yeah and it's crazy because there's such a value to that that you couldn't possibly predict before yeah. starting like you can't put a monetary value on the people i've connected with and the the things they're interested in it's just incredible like you said so yeah. all this goes to say like you're spending a lot of time on the computer, around the computer in some way, videos, podcasts, writing, connecting with people, learning. How do you balance that and also time away from the computer? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, I need to do a better job at balancing it, <laughs> like especially recently. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned when we went away for the Poconos trip, which was last summer and you know, I mean, last year was a shit show for everyone, right? And so, like, I think normally we would have gone to South Africa. We go back there once a year, see my family and stuff. And that's that's always a welcome break. It's actually, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, I, I always take my laptop, but, like, it, it, there are plenty of days where I don't open, ever open it. So that's um, – mm. but short of that, like, it was – you know, we went away on this this trip to Lake House and, like, able to unplug a little bit there. But – um i yeah man i i need to do a much better job with that i do definitely feel like too plugged in at times mm. um, and and too like it's not it's not like it's it's enjoyable like so it's, it's like <laughs> that's you know the what problem I mean? right yeah yeah like i i really enjoy like getting on that you know i'm in these back-to-back interviews with people which i, I was saying to you at the beginning like before we recorded um and it's amazing like i get so much energy of it and and at the end, I'm totally wiped. Like I'm done for the, you know. But it's the, yeah. So it's I don't know. It's it's really hard. Um, how, how do you think about that? I think that it's really important to start my day with a meditation session and kind of set the scene for myself of like this is calmness, this is relaxation. Because yeah. I was creating content before, like I. I've been on and off with content creation from 2009 to present day and really only focused in and been locked in for the last year. And the reason why I've maintained such a consistent output is because I feel comfortable with myself and calm with myself. And so that allows me to do everything that I do. And that all starts with no screens, no nothing, just listening Mm -hmm. to myself and tuning into myself every day. So yeah. Is that something you've done at all, considered yeah. at all, meditation and listening to yourself in any way? It could be through a walk or shower. It doesn't have to be sitting with your thoughts, but 
Yeah, totally, man. I, I try and practice uh, meditation every morning. And in fact, like one of the, the best, most productive stretches of my life was when uh, back in, in college and I was sort of studying for final exams. And I'd like, um, I wasn't the most dedicated student during the year. So I had a lot of catching up to do, but I, I, that, I made that work for me. I basically locked myself away for a month and just like went on this learning sprint to get through everything. <laughs> and I started my day with meditation. You know, it was like, yeah, just was just super like focused on that. Slept while sleeping is another huge part of this, right? I actually, that's a big one. I do try and get at least seven or eight hours sleep every day. Um, mm. Like that's super important, which has meant going to bed quite a lot earlier, like that I'm that I'm used to. But um, but that's been good. I and I like what you're saying, like starting the day with meditation as well, because that's the quietest time of the day generally as well, right? Um, so yeah, I like to get up early and like get that sort of done. Um, yeah, but I I feel like it starts a, your day still gets eaten into it. You know, the more of these type of things you do, the more like yeah stuff you get involved with. It's really interesting because it the day can seem so slow without screens. Like I went on a, a detox with no five days of no anything, no screens, no technology, no Wi-Fi, nothing. And yeah. the day was so slow. But using screens, sometimes the day feels so fast. Like how did Sorry, the man. day how did that happen? Like it's it's nighttime already. What do you mean? You know <laughs> totally. what I'm talking about? I so, know exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy that. And, and not to say one's better than the other. I think they both have their place in life. Just yeah. it's, it's really interesting how screens and being really excited about something can change our perception of time. Yeah. Does that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like I wonder if it's um, you're just less aware of it, right? Like attention. Right? That's, it comes back to that and awareness. I think yeah. I was listening to one of your, I think was it, or it might have been Chris Box or Steve Schlafman. You guys were talking about awareness and like how I think it was Chris, and and, that, and the importance of that. And like I think you're totally right. Like so, being like on this, you you've got like other things that are taking your attention and being on a Zoom call all the time. Like Zoom fatigue is a real thing, right? It just draws your awareness outside of like yourself, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, this has been so much fun. Do you have anything else to add to the conversation before we finish it up? Yeah, man. I, I would love to know a little bit about, uh, you had an online course, um, Transparent Dropshipping. Wow. Dude, you're incredible. You, you've you researched <laughs> me. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. It's, I, yeah. I would love to know because it sounds like the way you were describing it when I heard you talk about it was like, was so this sort of like completes the circle of where we started this conversation about like the, the difference between what the courses that get, give it a bad name and, and, and like transformational online courses. It sounds like the way you're thinking about that was very much aligned with that. And a lot of the stuff we've talked about, like, yeah. How did you sort of come up with that idea? What were you trying to, to achieve with it? Yeah. So it's really interesting. I wanted to do what you're doing now. I just didn't know that was possible. I didn't know how to go about executing. And it really bothered me for a long time that I couldn't deliver that outcome, that transformation, even though that was my initial intent. And it was like something that gnawed at me for a while and made me take away and go away from dropshipping and e-commerce in general. My intention with the course was listen, everyone else is hiding what they're doing. I want to show you exactly what yeah. I'm doing and how I'm doing it. But I didn't have a way to engage community. I didn't have a way to 
like have live courses. I didn't have the idea to do that. I didn't have the idea to make it live and, you know, come in and ask me questions. And it really bothered me because I was just putting up my content and thinking that was enough. And some people were extremely happy with it and thought like, this is the greatest thing ever. Other people were like, I want my money back. And I did, I gave them my money back and it bothered me so much because I couldn't give them that final product. So that's why I'm so grateful for talking to you and what you do, because it's like, you're fulfilling that hole that was left in me from doing that course. Yeah. It's amazing. You have this passion of a teacher. Like I, and now, like, cause I, I get to talk to so many people who I see this in and it's like, I can recognize this. Like you care about giving that transformation. Like that's a legitimate uh, thing. So it's, yeah, like that. Oh man, it's so cool. Like I wish, I wish maybe you still have it in you. Like, I don't know. You've gone, you've gone far from, from drop shipping now, but like you should, you should, you've got an online course in you. I know it's like, it's, <laughs> There is there is a lot going on in there that uh, that that can that can benefit people. Yeah, the thing is also about dropshipping in particular was it wasn't it didn't align with who I wanted to be because it <sighs> you know like just like online courses uh, can get a bad rap, like dropshipping can get a bad rap too if it's not done ethically and like with the yeah. right intent. And it really hurt me that I was associated with all those people that weren't doing it the right way. And it led me to stop doing it all entirely. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I actually like, you know how deeply that resonates with me is that I had, um, I I had a business that's still sort of running, but it's a side business that helped people with lead generation. And it was like B2B lead generation through LinkedIn. And, um, and so I created a course on that. I thought I could teach other people how to do it. Um, And I did a few like small cohorts and, you know, people enjoyed it, whatever, but it was, it was fine. It was good content, but it was like you said, I did I didn't care enough about the topic to really put all my everything into it, like I'm doing now with this, with this stuff. And it just, yeah, it just had no chance of succeeding because of that. Right. Um, I, this is like you you talk about this a lot, like the like connecting with that thing that you are passionate about, like the the thing that drives you and makes you how do you sort of reconcile that with like also needing to, to, to make money in it. You know, like a lot of people see it as like, well, I can't do that. Cause I need to like pay the bills. I have to have a, I might have a job, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts? It, it's a great question. And I'm so grateful to one, have saved up money from doing the drop shipping and two, to have parents who give me a roof over my head and yeah. let me go. And, you know, it's a conversation, you know, every week at the dinner table, like when are you going to get a job? And who knows, by the time this episode is released, I may have a job, right? But it's like, <laughs> it's like, I'm just constantly trying to understand that my purpose is to pursue the highest version of myself and help other people do that. My purpose is to make the world happier, healthier, and wiser. And if I can do that, I am lit up and I believe that will lead to money down the line. I yeah. I may not have anything to show for it in this moment, but I genuinely believe in all my heart that it will lead to income. So yeah, I that's kind of how I think about it. And it's a constant battle because I'm not making any money right now, but I'm loving what I'm doing more than anything I've ever done in my life. And I hope that will lead to income yeah. down the line. And I, I think you can have confidence that that will happen, right? I think there's so many now ways opening up for that like online courses like you're, i legitimately believe everyone i 100 believe you have an online course in you um and i think most people do like i think if you are able to help people with some kind of thing that you've figured out that you are you know good at 
you, that and you can do that with one person you, you can do that with hundreds of people like and yeah. and that and that the and the and the gap the bridge there is just learning how to teach better and that's a yes. skill like any other skill you can learn that you know? yes um, and i think i think what's made me hesitant to just put out an online course or just do one is because of the bad experience i had with transparent job okay. shipping and the experience of not doing it to the best of my abilities or the best of my of of making every person transformed, right? Like, and yeah. that still haunts me. And maybe it's a, it's something that I'll, I'll revisit in later date in the sense of like doing it better and doing it in a different way and, and helping people in a different way. So yeah, yeah it's why I had you on this, this podcast because I, yeah. I'm curious about it. And it's something that, that I, I want to improve if I decide to go down that route. But I know yeah. it's a, an actual skill and not just something you can say, oh, I'm doing an online course and make X amount of money. No, like you have to put your heart into it. Yeah, exactly. Well, when you when that time comes, you better you better come reach out to me and I love you to work I with will. you on that. <laughs> you know I will. Um, awesome. Yeah, this has been such a pleasure, man. Where can people find more from you if they want to? And I'm sure they do after this conversation. Yeah, man. Thanks, Danny. Um I, so the best place is on Twitter. Um, I'm Bazaruto, which um, is B-A-Z-Z-A-R-U-T-O. Um, and I, yeah, I respond to all DMs are open. So, so definitely hit me up there. Um, if you want to learn more about course creation, go to uh, beyonddeck.com forward slash course creator dash creator. Um, yeah, there's a whole, or just search on the website. That, that, that I'm so excited about that fellowship. And, and if people really want to take their uh their online course to the next level like that's that's going to be the place to do it i think we've got an amazing community that we're building there so yeah i'm so excited to watch the journey and all those will be in the show notes at dannymiranda.com slash podcast thank you andrew for joining me today i really appreciate you taking the time and this has been so much fun thank you danny it's been amazing appreciate it man That was my conversation with Andrew Barry. If you enjoyed it or you didn't, let me know your thoughts on Twitter at HeyDannyMiranda. Remember, you can get all the versions, the video version of this episode on YouTube, where you could find that at youtube.com slash DannyMiranda. Thank you for listening. From the bottom of my heart, it really means the world to me. And I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.